Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is The In Crowd. And for those of you listening beyond here, might be a little laughter in the background, some children in the background. Today is Pajama Christmas Sunday, so we got a lot of people here in their pajamas. We'll never forget this. Kind of a pajama birthday party for Jesus, so we appreciate everybody who is participating in that. I found a quote said, I can't decide if people who wear pajamas in public have given up on life or living it to the fullest. So if that's you, and I'd like a show of hands. If how many of you knew that Kurt Cobain married Courtney Love in his pajamas? Raise your hand if you knew that. There's a few, few in recovery there. Um, I found some night shirts. One of them says, can't get out of bed. The blankets have accepted me as one of their own. If I leave now, I might lose their trust. And another night shirt said, they said don't give up on your dreams, so I went back to sleep. And we're glad you didn't do that today. My mother cast one of her students as the innkeeper for the Christmas pageant. All the third grader had to do was tell Joseph, quote, there is no room at the inn. During the performance, after Joseph begged for a room for his pregnant wife, the boy didn't have the heart to turn him down. Well, he said, if it's so urgent, come on in. Um, so it kind of changes the story a little bit. Go to Luke chapter 2. If you would, Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read you a great story. I think sometimes we assume that everybody in the world has heard this story, and the fact is they have not. And even if they know bits and pieces of it, they may not understand what it's about or why he even came. So let's do Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. In other words, to have the baby. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So the inn crowd, what is the inn crowd? The inn crowd by definition is a small group of people who are considered fashionable or important and who allow only very few people to join them. And it's interesting to me that in our world, that seems to be for kids, if they could just get in the in crowd, whatever that crowd is. And you think, well, that all goes away when you get out of high school, you go to college, there's no in crowd. There's an in crowd for the rest of your life. And people try everything they can to get into those crowds. Mary and Joseph clearly weren't a part of the in crowd or they would not have ended up in a barn for the night. The people in the inn probably didn't know what was going on in the stable, or they would have been out there checking it out. 
and the in crowd of the town apparently didn't know what was going on in town. And even beyond there, not too far away in a city called Jerusalem, where the real in crowd was, whether you say politically or just religiously, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, why did they not know of all the in crowd should have known what was going on? They should have known. So who is the in crowd in our story? Look at verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And this is not just a technicality. It is important to remember that all this stuff right here went down in the darkness of night. And behold, an angel, so one angel to start with, of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. So it's not just an angel, it is the glory of the Lord. So this is a magnificent sight and a terrifying sight if it's not something you experience at all or every day. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. So they were out in the fields, they knew what the city of David was, it looks like that's where they were tending their sheep. And the statement is, there is born, so a kid is born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Turns out the real in crowd from heaven's perspective were watching their flocks in the field. And what a great bunch of people to pick. Now you say, well, who were these people? Shepherds were nobody. Shepherds were out watching their sheep. King David started out as a shepherd, and these guys, however many there were, they're just out there taking care of their sheep in the middle of the night, doing what they're supposed to be doing. This angel shows up, and they're picked. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel, that one angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go. It's interesting how sophisticated people sometimes say, well, you know, let's think about this. Let's just consider this a little bit. Let's wait and see. These guys are like, man, we've seen an angel. We've seen a multitude of angels. We're going now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, this is what I encounter in my world. You say, well, who is the spiritual in crowd? The spiritual in crowd are people who hear his voice, and when he makes something known to you, you do it now. You respond. Long story how all this went down, my wife and I went shopping, we're in a store, and she had her cell phone in her coat pocket, it was a cold day, she laid it in the basket in this big store, and when she pulled her coat out of the basket, it fell in the basket, and it was gone. We go back to the surveillance department, so I'm not giving up easy on a phone, so this guy goes through all the surveillance video and finds the gentleman on the screen, picking it up, putting it in his pocket. We walk him through the store, fast forward through the store, and he leaves with it. It pings at his house. I drive over there, four police officers show up, and they can only knock on one door. Turns out it's not the door, so the cell phone's still out there. But because of all these events, I met one of the police officers, gave him my number, the guy running the surveillance deal, and you say, well, what about the inconvenience of the phone? 
it has nothing maybe to do with the phone. And if your attitude does not change and your perspective doesn't change and you can't get to the place where you say, Lord, I thank you for my stolen phone, what was this about? And it better be good because that took about six hours to track all these things, so it wasn't quick. So because of all this redirection, the police officer, he could be here today for all I know, he texted me and said, now tell me again what you do, and I prayed with him in the back of the store. Then my youngest daughter, and she was out with some of her friends, and we ended up at a Whataburger with these two 18-year-old boys and my daughter. And in the uh, conversation with these two boys, Jesus made himself known to them. Now, these were two guys, 18, seniors in high school, and sat together and heard the gospel presented. One of them said he had gone to church for the first time a year before that. And so I shared the gospel, and I said, would you guys be interested in, in doing this? And one of them kind of looked his head up, you know, where he could barely look at his buddy like, you know, is this cool what, or is this the thing to do? They were a little nervous, and they're like, yeah, absolutely. So in the Whataburger in front of God and everybody, these two 18-year-olds prayed and became Christians. Understanding that Jesus died on the cross, why he came in the first place, born of a virgin, lives a sinless life, dies on the cross, buried and raised from the dead, and for what? To rescue them. You say, well, how could that even happen? How did it happen to you? He makes himself known to us. You say, well, how does that happen if I don't know him? This has always been my contention. If God approaches you, you'll know it because it is unlike any other experience you will ever have. When he knocks on the door of your heart, when you are in the presence of the living God, you'll know it. And my encouragement to you is whatever instructions he gives you, in this case with the angels, they told the shepherds, this is where he is. If somebody tells you where he is, then get up and go. Now in our case, you don't have to get up and go anywhere because the words are literally on the tip of your tongue. If you can just get them out in your heart, believe and receive this, and we'll read some verses about that in a minute. Keep reading. Verse 16, and they came with haste. So they're moving fast. They make haste and found Mary and Joseph. Now, how do you find something? You gotta be looking for it. Now, luckily for these shepherds, they had been given a great clue and they probably knew all the stables, all the barns in town, because they're shepherds. So all they gotta do is what? Go looking in stables, go looking in barns for what? A baby in a manger. That's all they gotta find. And what are the odds of there ever being a baby in a manger? Not very high, that's not where you put babies. So they go with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. So they saw him and then what did they do? They started telling other people what they had been told, what they had seen. And by the way, that is the simplicity of being a witness. You don't have to make anything up because this story is crazy enough as it is. We found the Messiah in a stable in a manger with his mom and dad and that's your story? But they told everybody they saw it. And you say, well, who's going to believe that? The people who are listening, who are searching for him, are going to listen for that. Then the Holy Spirit himself mixes the faith that he gives you with the truth of the scripture. And all of a sudden you go, that makes sense. How can something this foolish ever make sense? It just does when he opens your eyes and reveals it to you. 
Verse 18, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now I'd like you to turn over to Luke chapter 10, just a few pages to the right. Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verse 21. And it says here, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. So how does this work? Who gets to see? Who gets to know? Unfortunately, it tends not to be the sophisticated, the high and mighty. And let me read you something about that. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, just a few pages to the right of Luke. Just keep going a few books over and you'll find it. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1. There'll be a 1 before it. Everybody got it? 1 Corinthians 1. Let's start at verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who what? Who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see, now look at verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh. Now, I pointed this out recently that this does not say not any. It just says not many. Not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty. Not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to nothing, the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence." One of the number one answers I get when I share the gospel with someone is they say, I'm a good person. I shared with an 80-something-year-old man the other day. A friend of mine said, will you go see my dad? We went to see him. He sat in his chair and repeatedly at 80-something years old, near the end of his life, he kept saying, I've been a good person. I've been a good person. I've been a good person. And I've said this throughout the years. Being good is never bad. It's just not going to be good enough. I encourage you to be a good person, but heaven is not going to be filled with good people. It's going to be filled with saved people, rescued people, not smart people, not wise people in the worldly sense. It's going to be filled with people who go, you know what? I got no hope. I got no answers. There's nobody but Jesus. And you cry out to him and you believe and you receive as we'll read the verse in a minute. So be careful that you're not too smart for heaven. You just might be too smart to make heaven because you figured it all out. You've got it all, all packaged up. Or you've just decided there is no God, so I don't have anything to worry about. And how will that work out for you when you drop dead or Jesus returns and you realize maybe I was wrong? Then it's too late. You say, well, I'll figure it out then. It is appointed unto man once to die, the book says, and after that, the judgment. 
There isn't going to be any scraping and scrapping and figuring it out later. It's now or never. You say, well, I think I'm hearing something. You're saying these words. You talk about Jesus dying on a cross, being buried, raised from the dead. Something stirs in me. Let me tell you something. That's not indigestion or hunger. That's him. And if you hear his voice today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Because if you harden it and say no, it'll get easier and easier to harden your heart. Your ears will get stopped up and you just won't even hear him anymore. So not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble. And then down in verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. James chapter 2, verse 5 says this, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? He said, well, yeah, the poor always respond because they got nothing. It's a crutch for them. It's not a crutch for me. It's a stretcher. It's an ambulance. I got nothing without him. I am nothing. I have nothing without Jesus. And you say, well, I'm going to figure it out on my own. It's not going to work out. It doesn't ever work out. A teenager waltzed into our jewelry store to buy a cross for her boyfriend for Christmas. I showed her a selection, and she pointed to three can I see that one, that one, and the one with the little man on it? Oh, I replied, you mean Jesus. You say, well, people just don't know. You won't be one of those people anymore. You can't say, well, I've never heard. I'm telling you today that God loves you so much that he was willing to send his only son to be born of a virgin, Christmas, live a sinless life, die on a cross, Easter, be buried and raised from the dead the third day, and that's your ticket. That is your only hope. That is your only answer. You say, well, I'm going to think about it. You better think quick because you don't know when your day is coming. Now, I'm going to be as careful about this as I can. And Bronwyn, I know you're in the room, but Bronwyn and her two little kids are in the back, and two days ago, her husband died. And he's gone. And I held little Gracie, her five-year-old, took her in the room before they pulled everything out and said, do you want to kiss him on the forehead? Held her up. She kissed her daddy on the forehead. And with hours, he was gone. He said, well, you're trying to be dramatic. You're trying to scare us. Let me tell you something. You're out of here like that. You say, well, no, no, no. I'm going to live a long time. You don't know that. You say, yeah, but you're trying to scare us. Okay, I'm trying to scare you. Let's go with that. You're a time bomb, and you're messing with your eternity. The old man I went to see the other day, before it was all over, he was pushing back, pushing back. I went over and got down by his chair. He could barely stand up. I grabbed him by the hand, knelt down, and I said, can I pray for you? And all of a sudden, he warmed up a little bit after the prayer. And I stayed down there next to his chair, and I said his name. I said, look, if begging would help, I would beg you to accept Christ. Because if you don't figure this out, you're in a lot of trouble. So you say, well, I thought Christmas was about good stuff and about presents and about gifts. Yeah, but what good are the gifts if you never open them? He offers us this amazing gift of eternal life. And you say, oh, thank you so much, but you never open it. You never receive it. A six-year-old boy said this, I don't want to go to church on Christmas. Mother said, it's important to go celebrate the birth of Jesus. 
The six-year-old said, but we don't even know him. Colossians 1, verse 27. A couple more verses and we're done. Colossians 1, 27 says this. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You say, well, I've got Christ around me. It's not going to work. The only hope you've got is to end up with Christ in you. That's your only hope of any glory, any make in heaven. And then go back to your left to John chapter 1. Actually, the Christmas story is in chapter 1 as well. It's like a phrase, and I'll read that while we're at it. But look at John chapter 1 and verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as what? Received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And this is not a believing where you just say, I believe something is true. This is a belief where you literally put your trust, your faith in it, where you are receiving, believing. It is taking action and doing something about what's been offered and taking it personally. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, in other words, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Not we're going to decide to have this spiritual kid. This is God's doing. And the word, here's the Christmas story in John chapter 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, talking about Jesus. And we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Mary and Joseph were not received in the end, but found a place for Jesus to be born in a stable. If you're looking for a stable life, then let him be born in you. If you really want to be in the in crowd, you have to have him in you. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. And our Father, I thank you so much for your willingness to send Jesus to rescue us. And as amazing as it is, virgin birth, born in a stable, Bethlehem, as cool as this story is, we know even before he's born the reason that he was born. To live and then die a perfect sacrifice, be buried and raised from the dead to make eternal life possible as a free gift, to make the forgiveness of our sins possible as a free gift and that we might have a relationship with you between here and heaven and then spend eternity with you. So I pray for anyone here or beyond, Lord, who does not know these things personally. They may believe in their head, but they've never believed in their heart and never received into their life this amazing gift of you. And literally like being born a second time, not physically, but spiritually. And all that that brings with it, a new life, a new heart, a new mind, a new beginning. 
So Father, for anyone who has never heard this message maybe or never made this decision and they sense you speaking to them personally today, that they would reach out, as it were, the hands of their heart and say, Father, I believe that Jesus died for me, that he was buried and raised from the dead, that he was born and lived to come after me. I'm included in the whosoever will may come. So I accept the gift of eternal life. I confess that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. Come live in me. I accept this gift of eternal life. Come live in me, through me, change me. And help me understand what it is you saved me to be, and then out of that, what it is you'd have me to do in however many years I have left. And Father, for those of us who know you, may this story never grow old. And as the true in crowd, those who have you in us, may we always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within us. And may it be obvious what that hope is each and every day, everywhere we go, along the way. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.